Welcome to the Die Hard Minute Podcast. We break down the 1988 John McTiernan movie Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Jeff Barry from The Burbs Minute. And I'm Chris Nerkach, also from The Burbs Minute. And today we're covering Minute 37 of Die Hard, quite possibly the greatest policeman minute ever. So, we're into Minute 2 of Man in Gray Sweatsuit Walking Across the Floor. He's back. By popular demand. They just have a, re- have a re- replay of that stupid sweatsuit. <laughs> yeah. I just can't get enough of a German man named Tony. <laughs> <laughs> That's not his real name. That cannot be his real name. His name is Tony. Which... <laughs> is there Tonys in Germany? I don't think so. Yeah, well, okay. I think I, I might have mentioned this yesterday, but this the whole All Die Hard is, is based on Nothing Lasts Forever, which was a book. And in the book, it's an Italian group. <laughs> So, in the book, he was Anton Little Tony the Red. See, that makes sense. So, yeah, so that's why his name was Tony. So, his real name is Anton, which is still not at all what I would like for a uh, a German person. I feel like this is one of those things when you redo it, you're like, I mean, his brother's name's Carl. Yeah. Did we really need to make his name Tony? Did we ever mention his name's Tony? I think later on when Carl finds out something has gone awry, (laughs) yeah, they find out. I gotta ask this question just because looking at him, and maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because it's the '80s, the hair, the glasses. How old do you think this guy is, Tony Vresky? That's his character name. He doesn't look that old. You think he looks old? I feel like it because I mean I know how old he is because I looked it up on the always reliable Die Hard Wiki. I'm gonna throw a guess out there. He's forty. He was born July third, nineteen fifty-seven. He. I'm not gonna say when things go awry. He's twenty-seven. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> well, is it just an? Is it a time frame thing where people? If you have a terrible '80s blonde haircut with those giant Seventh Heaven glasses, does it just make you look older? Bad diet back then. <laughs> <laughs> he had a poor diet. I mean, I mean that other guy's downstairs eating like you know candy bars and stuff. Right. <laughs> do, do you have a poor diet when you're a? Uh, you're a ga- uh, not a gangster, an international terrorist. I'm sure. Like, they eat fast food most of the time, right? Because they're in a hurry. Yeah. No, I mean, his night is not going great, and it's not going to get a whole lot better for him. No. But the fire has been called off, my friend. Oh, yes. That's what I said. Uh, I have written, my first note is, nothing fears, fills me up with uh, good feelings like a vaguely German man with an automatic weapon walking towards me saying, why don't you come out and join the others? Well, before he says that, he cocks his gun. You want, I won't hurt you, and he cocks his gun before he says that. I promise I won't hurt you. You're going to well, hurt somebody if you're cocking your gun. I have a lot of problems with the, the cocking the gun thing, and it's the same problem I have in every movie. I'll give him this much. He only cocks it once, at least. Right. Not like some movies where like the guy keeps pulling, especially on pistols, they keep pulling the slide back, Yeah. and you're like, if you did that a second time, a round would come out. <laughs> so he cocks his gun. Well, that's great, except that you've already walked halfway into the room, Right. right. It's a little, be ready. <laughs> a little late in the game to be cocking the weapon, isn't it? He's also walking through the room like he don't care. Like, if the other guy wanted to shoot him at any point, he probably could have. I'm trying to wonder, is he? does he think this is just a party-goer that's up here doing this? If you think he's a party-goer and you got a, you got your HK-94, you know, you got your little machine gun here, you're, like, not real afraid of what's going on. Right. Although, judging by what he's going to do next, I feel like he does have a certain degree of fear. <laughs> Because he's walking in like he owns the place. The same thing. Uh, yeah. You know, the fire's been called off, my friend. No one's going to help you. Why don't you Why don't you come out? He's also very locked in that he thinks McLean's hiding behind this one stack of drywall. Right, yeah, the sheetrock. He just goes right for the sheetrock. 
as if there's no other place to hide in this hole upstairs that is loaded with places to hide. With concrete pillars and hand-built walls. I'm also wondering what's keeping McLean from... He's slowly walking forward. Now, we're going to see McLean has left that location. What would have kept McLean from double-backing and going down the stairs or going down the elevator? There's no second guy covering the escape. Maybe he really wants that machine gun from spoilers. <laughs> he also jumps behind the sheetrock and just unloads. Yeah, he just shoots the ground. I'm not going to hurt you. Well, even if I thought that for a minute, you just unloaded on where you thought it was. <laughs> right, there's no way I'm coming out now. And he gets a look Before on his face like... around and starts shooting, he mouths something. I, can't, I couldn't figure out what he, was, what he says. Well, he also kind of makes a weird face after he shoots. Kind of like, what? What's going on? He, he almost looks like... I can't even explain the face that he's making when he does that. At, <laughs> at second, like, 28 to 29. He like looks aside and looks around. He looks like um he looks like one of the raptors from Jurassic Park who just heard a noise somewhere. And he's only slightly less. He, you know who he is? I'm just, I've been looking at the guy trying to figure out who he is. Who he reminds me of? He is like a junior varsity version of Michael Fassbender. <laughs> I see. I see that scene now where he looks over. He does look like a raptor or something. <laughs> he's like a Bobo Magneto. He's definitely a lanky dude too. He's pretty tall. Uh, yeah, the way he walks is what really gets to you. He walks, like, really upright, like the way you would work, walk me if you had, like, a back injury at some point. <laughs> yeah. Is that machine gun that heavy? He's got to overcompensate? Well, I mean, he's carrying the detonators with him, too. Got the detonators, yeah. But still. And a lot, I still think a lot of it that adds to his weird persona is that god-awful outfit. I'm not going to go into it again. I really covered it heavily last minute. But it's just such an odd choice for a terrorist. It really is. It really is. I mean, he doesn't even have pockets, does he? Like, where's he going to put his bullets and stuff? <laughs> yeah. Where, where's your extra uh, magazine going to be hot? Yeah, you don't even have a pocket to put it in. Like, I'll just shove this into my waistband. You, get, you, you run like 10 feet, it falls out of the, the cuff of your pants. You're like, oh, great. I, I am bad the, at being a terrorist. I love the flopping blonde hair as he runs through the hallway there, too. Uh, when he, fi- he finally hears that McLean has made a, uh, a noise off in another direction. Yes. And like he's in a Roadrunner cartoon or something, he immediately falls for it. Like, I'm going to run in that direction. <laughs> he should have painted a big hole in the wall. And he could have yeah, he would have. He was <laughs> ran in the wall, knocked himself out. <laughs> painted the hole right out the window, and he would have gone out the window and held up a little sign, and then just off the side. <laughs> just a big thing of dust at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, is that an active machine gun also? Yeah, I kind of feel like this guy got brought along on this just because he's Carl's brother. He's the guy that just got brought along. You don't send him up first to go look for the person who's missing. I also wouldn't send one person up, which I think is no. what I think. So. I, again, I, I assume at this point in the movie, it's early enough in the movie, they don't know what they're dealing with yet. Yeah, they figure it's just some guy. Yeah. It, it's not until the, dis, the disposition of this this man until they really know what they're up against. But I still think it's... I still send two people up to get... If you have to send a person to get one person, you send two people to go get one person. It's that stupid bad guy logic of, like, we're not going to send anybody else up there. Yeah. Also, when he's from behind, when he's running in about 43 seconds, it definitely looks like a lady <laughs> with the flopping blonde hair. Yeah, the flopping hair. It looks crazy. And again, he looks yeah. at the, the saw that's running, the, the blade. He stares at it for far, far too long. He looks at it and sees it's a saw and still points the gun at it. Don't make any quick moves, saw. Shoot the saw? Yeah. Don't make any sudden movements. Right. Uh, uh, Whoops, he messed up. Yeah, that's when he realizes he's made a horrible mistake. But, yeah. again, it t- I'm trying to see how long... So, not, I'm not even going to count the time that he stay. Okay, let's see how long he stares at the saw. I'm going to back it up a second to see how long he stares at the saw. 
So he's turning the corner, he's turning the corner, he's pointing at the saw at 45 seconds. One, two, three. Three seconds he stares at the saw. He knew it was and a then, saw as soon as he got there. But then there's a further two seconds where it cuts to his face and he just looks dumbfounded. Between looking at the saw and realizing that saw doesn't have a gun, and I don't know what I'm doing, he gives McLean more than enough time to cover however much distance he had to and put the gun up to his head. That stop and look, I think that's exactly where I wrote my notes. Uh, oops, he messed up. Because I think yeah. he realized it too. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. You done messed up, eh, Ron? You screwed yeah. this up. You, yeah. you made a horrible mistake. And then we drop it, and a curse word. Yeah, McLean says, drop it, expletive, head. Richard head. Richard, <laughs> yeah, Richard head. Which, uh, for this movie, is not a terrible expletive, but, you know, still maybe not something you say in front of your mother. Yeah, and he's got the gun right up to the side of his face, which is... He says... I still have a problem with this. It's cinematically, it's the way to do it, but you never want to be that close to somebody when you're putting a gun on them. No. Why do you have to have it against his ear? Yeah, because it only, the closer you are, the less motion it takes for him to get out of the way, grab your arm, and now you're wrestling with the guy. You should be at least a couple feet away when you put it out. He's not going anywhere. You have a pistol trained on him. If he starts to move, you shoot him. Is the logic, maybe I'm getting so close because he's got that machine gun and I don't want him to spin around and yeah, but you don't want him to turn around at all. You come up from behind him, and you say, freeze, and he starts to turn around, you shoot him. You shoot Yeah, and this guy is very confident that he is not going to hurt him. I feel a little less confident <laughs> that he's not yeah. going to hurt him. <laughs> that look on Bruce Willis's face is not a, I'm not going to hurt you look. No, the way he says, oh yeah, why not? That's a nice minute, yeah. too, where it goes, because yeah. you're a policeman. Uh, yeah, because you're a policeman. What he should have said is, yeah, but I'm in the NYPD. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's not a, a yeah, and, and it's a movie, and we're all alone. If I shoot you, who's going to know? Well, in the movies, as long as you're a policeman doing good, you can shoot everybody, and then you... you oh, know, well, I mean, it's, a, it's like any movie. Yeah, you can shoot whoever you want. You can kill 50 people, and it's just like, oh, whatever. Meanwhile, in the yeah. real world, if a cop fires his gun on duty, he's going to be on death duty for two months while they investigate it. <laughs> yeah, Meanwhile, you got McLean, who in every movie plows through like a dozen people. I think in this movie... And in Die Hard 2, it doesn't even take place in the city where he's a cop. Right. So it's not even like, well, you're a cop. It's like, well, yeah, you are a cop, but you have murdered, like, 12 people here. Right, this is murder. You're not your jurisdiction, you're not working. Maybe it's justifiable because you're defending yourself or defending others, but, you know, we're going to have that tied up in the courts for, like, the next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How Die Hard 2 should be McLean on trial <laughs> for multiple murders. It's like, uh, well, it's justifiable homicide. Really? Every single one of these was justifiable homicide. <laughs> yeah, you didn't just kill somebody for fun. Yeah, I'm guessing they could get a few members of the LAPD that's outside. In particular, one man who's not on scene yet, so I won't talk about him. I won't step on somebody else's minute. Who would definitely not be in his corner. Right. What is the tattoo? Can you tell what the tattoo is? I can't see what it is. No, I can't. I can see it, but I can't tell what it is. I see a skull with a top hat, and now I can't unsee the skull with the top. Like the Guns N' Roses skull. Oh, as I say, he's a Guns N' Roses fan, maybe? <laughs> yeah, and now I can't unsee it. I got the pareidolia, as it's called. Pareidolia, so. Yeah, it's definitely, to me, it's a skull with top hat at this point. I think he's got a slash tattoo. Tried to do a little research on it. I couldn't find it. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff about his tattoos, but, you know, have you, if you've ever tried to search anything on the internet, it's always like, yeah, well, you know, it could be this. I'm like, thanks. It's helpful. <laughs> I'm also stopped right at the last second of the minute. And, um, is that a real head of hair for Bruce Willis on this movie? Yeah, he's not usually rocking the real head of hair. No. I mean, that looks... Well, this is still early. This is, yeah, he really still had the, um, 
that look at this point. Yeah, I'm looking, I got in closer to it, and it's, it looks like a skull or something, like a mohawk or something. I should have never said it, because now you're seeing the skull, too. <laughs> now all I can see is the skull. Welcome to the The team. problem is, I tried to look up Bruce Willis' tattoos, but now he has a bunch more, so that's all I can get. So that's what I get for trying to do that. Maybe by next minute, I'll figure out what his tattoos are. Spoiler alert, I'm not going to figure out what his tattoos are. <laughs> he was just listening to Sweet Child of Mine. Well, I mean, don't worry. I'm guessing in the next minute, him and Tony are going to sit down. They're going to talk this out. Yeah, it's going to be fine. And they're going to make sure this is going to be all right. Yeah, I'm sure they will not have any problem. I mean, yeah, there's there's not going to be any violence. They're going to they'll figure something out. They'll come to a, a parlay here. They're not going to have any issues. I mean, how else could this possibly end? The guy just gives up. And- yeah, but what... At this point, if you're if you're John McClane, what's your end game? Okay, you captured one of their guys. First of all, they have forty hostages. His best bet would have just been to shoot him for you. Yeah, just just, just execute him. <laughs> yeah, just shoot him from behind and be done with it. Pick up whatever he's got. You know? Well, let's assume what's going to happen over the course of this week doesn't happen, and he just goes, "Okay." He throws down his gun and goes, "I'm your hostage." Uh, what do you do with you're him? Stuck with him. Right. Yeah, you're, you're stuck with him. You can't him take him anywhere. That's probably would have been his best bet because now you got yeah. now you're dead weight. Yeah, what what can you possibly do with this guy? You're stuck with him. You duct tape him. You find some duct tape up in that thing. You duct tape him to a pole and you leave. Yeah, but you still got to leave him somewhere. Meanwhile, you have a half dozen other guys looking for you. Right. Chances are they're gonna him and let him go. You're gonna find him, let him go, and now you're back in square one again. This is true. Plus, you're actually worse off because now they know you're not gonna kill anybody. <laughs> right. Now you're better off to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> McLean, we found this guy upstairs with a gunshot wound in the back of his head. Yeah, he was going for his gun. He, he took some shots and some sheetrock. I don't know what to do. Oh, I mean, yeah, you could. Like, look, he shot over there. They're like, that's not where you were. <laughs> <laughs> it was where I was a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I could have been there. You got a ricochet over here. All right. So I think I, I've said all about Tony that I possibly can. And uh, I'm sure in the next minute he'll he'll be good enough to, uh, you know, he won't do anything bad. He'll be a nice little boy in the next minute. You know, he'll give up and. He'll, he'll go outside, he'll turn himself over to the police. Happy right. endings for everybody. Yes. There's one thing a movie called Die Hard is going to have. It's going to be a happy ending for the first bad guy that gets rolled up on. <laughs> but listen, if you're the first bad guy who runs into the hero of the movie, you're going to have a short shelf life, I think. Yeah. Unless you're in a Schwarzenegger movie, because then he says, I'm going to kill you later. Oh, yeah. By the way, that's Commando. How's that work out for Sully, by the way? <laughs> he lied. Yeah. Sully, remember when I promised to kill you last? I lied. Spoiler <laughs> <Poor> alert. <laughs> That guy was a creep anyway. I never liked him since the Warriors. Yeah, he was a creep in the Warriors. You're right. <laughs> All right. Uh, you got anything left over there? No. <laughs> All right. So if, uh, if you've been uh, overly entertained by our, our diehard minute here, you can come find us over at the Burbs Minute, which was our first podcast, which is all complete now. You can listen to all 99 to 100 episodes. You can catch us on the, our new podcast that we're currently doing, Jay and Silent Bob Minute, where we're covering... Kevin Smith movies, one minute at a time. We're currently doing Clerks. Go over to Twitter. You can see Die Hard at the Die Hard, not at the Die Hard Minute, at Die Hard Minute. <laughs> Facebook is, the, the group is Facebook, Die Hard with a Podcast Listener's Limo. Die Hard with a Podcast Listener's Limo. I'm saying it twice because it's a very long sentence for me. <laughs> also, go over to the main site, DieHardMinute.com. Don't you dare try to talk while I'm doing this. You talk while I'm doing this, and you'll be doing it from now on. <laughs> also, go check out the main site of MoviesByMinutes.com. If there's a movie you would like to hear minute by minute, pretty sure that it's probably there in production or on its way. And for some reason it's not there, you know, do it yourself. Knock it out. 
I don't have anything else. You got anything else, Chris? Last chance? No, not at all. And he's dead. He's dead to me. Alright. yippee ki yay melon farmers. Tell me you got that. I got it. I got it. I hit your heart on Channel 5.